lost the weight upon my shoulder. Now it's easier to walk. I can see the road before me. I am not afraid to fall. Okay, welcome back to our podcast today. We have kind of another Christmas themed episode. Yeah. yeah. For the holidays. Yes, we have Don Ward with us today for the interview, and he's an old high school teacher of mine. Um, he was a everyone loves Mr. Ward that knew him. Like, I know. Alta I feel like high anybody school. that went to Elton knows him. Yes, they do <laughs> totally. And he's so involved still, I think, within his students' lives. And the focus of our conversation with him is his involvement with the refugee community here in Utah. And he's like super involved and, and also has brought so many students, like former students of his into being involved with yeah, it. Yeah. They give him, give them a chance to serve and mm-hmm. give back to the community. Yeah. So and it's, it's really cool. awesome. He t- kind of explains how we got into it. Um, kind of like what it is like what it's provided in his life. I think it was really I know, cool. That was really cool. Yeah. That he feels like he's been so blessed by it and uh-huh. it's given him like, he's never lonely. He said, I thought yes, that was cool yeah. that he, because he's surrounded by so many people all the time. Mm-hmm. The people that are helping the refugees with him and the refugees themselves. He just yes. feels like he has all this community. Yeah. And I loved, he shared a few stories about like interactions mm-hmm. with different refugees that were just yeah. fun. Like, yeah, just cute. And he's impressive. He's 82 yeah. and he just goes, goes, goes. I yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. And it was fun. We were just talking. He actually came in person to have our interview. And most of our interviews, especially this year, and well, the, some of our in the very beginning, we did in person, but we just found it worked well online and it's convenient for people. But a couple lately we've had in person and he came in person. It was just really fun. I know. I kind of like it. I'm hoping yeah. we can do all of them in the future in person because it's just mm-hmm. more personable. And I think the conversation flows a little better because mm-hmm. you're just right there. There's no delay or yeah. internet problems or yeah. anything. Yeah. Because you never know yeah. with technology. I would say our microphone problem, we didn't quite get that right. So it's a little echoey at times. But overall, it sounded great and you can hear us. So yeah. And I just think you'll really just love him. He's just a really likable guy that just wants to help people really. Yeah, and he's, he's just so, so sweet and he's a good guy and he's really smart. Like mm-hmm. he's, it, it was a history teacher and really passionate yeah. about, um, helping the refugees, but also just like learning and, you know, yeah. he's just an awesome guy. Yeah. So. And he talks about how we can help during the holidays, but also that they really do need help all year round. So yeah. it was a good reminder that yes, it's good to serve during the holidays and we all want to do that, but to remember that we can also serve all the time. Right. Yeah. And it's cool. Cause he kind of lays out how they do throughout the year. So you may want to listen in, like, even if you already have your, you know, Christmas, if you're wanting to do something Christmas or not, like there's ways to help yeah, out. Cause he so. mentions, I think in January they do like a coat drive and blanket drive. Mm-hmm. So, and all year long, they're I just feel doing like too, after Christmas, like you're getting rid of the old and bringing in the new and you're kind of organizing. Yeah. And so just keep your coats and blankets and mm-hmm. you can donate those. Yeah. So. And so many of us, like, I feel like coats are one thing that stay in decent condition yes. usually because the kids grow out of them. Super yeah, fast. they do. They do. Yeah. So. so anyway, so that was great. So we're so excited for you to listen. And we just thought we would talk real quick about what's coming up for the rest of the year. Cause we're almost wrapping up the year. It's yep. been such a fun year awesome for the guests. podcast. We've mm-hmm. had, we've loved our guests this year. Um, and it's been fun this month where we've been focusing kind of on like service oriented guests and episodes. So we thought we would do something different next week. We don't have an interview, lined up. So we're going to like put some, I guess, comment boxes on our stories. We still have to figure out exactly how we're going to do this, but like for submission, we haven't done it yet. (laughs) Yeah. Submission. So if you're listening and you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, we'll try to put, we're going to put like submission boxes where you can share. We kind of thought a couple topics. Yeah. So Um, one, like your holiday traditions, like share some of your really fun, maybe different holiday traditions that other people could maybe 
use in their lives or that mm-hmm. would just be kind of fun to hear about. Yeah. And especially like something simple that week leading up to Christmas, I just feel like it's fun to bring, especially like once the kids are out of school and you mm-hmm. have time together, but things that, yeah, just something fun. And then another thing, so we'll do two separate submission boxes. The other one could be if you want to submit like a story of a way that someone has served you that's been meaningful. It could be at Christmas time or any time of year, really. Right. And just that might be like a heartwarming story for others to hear or ways that you've found that you can serve others. Yes. Also at Christmas time or any time of year, just to give people ideas. And I think it's like, it's just, yeah, uplifting for any yeah, of us to hear I love those hearing kind of all those kind of stories of mm-hmm. how people have either been, yeah, served by somebody or how they have found a ways to serve because that's what we're all looking for. And there's always someone in need. And so yeah, it's just kind of inspiring, uplifting to hear those. Yes. Yeah. And those will be anonymous. So like if you submit a story, I don't even think that we'll be like in the submission box that they have on Instagram and whatever, it's all anonymous. So it's not like, it'll just be fun to share stories and yeah, we can share our listener stories with our listeners. Yes. We thought (laughs) that would be fun. So stay tuned for that. And please, um, if you're not already following the accounts, follow those so that you can like see those notifications come up or whatever. And also we just share photos of our guests and things coming up. We have some fun ones. Nice descriptions of the story and cool things about them. And kind of even when they update something they're going on in their lives, we usually repost it on our story. So you can kind of follow along our Mm -hmm. guests and what they're doing. Yeah. Especially if they have some kind of like nonprofit Mm -hmm. that they're involved in or something like that. So, yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in and we're excited for you to hear Mr. Ward. All right. Well, welcome today to my high school teacher, my old high school teacher, Mr. Ward. I tell him I still call him Mr. Ward, although it's Don. So welcome, Don. Thank you. <laughs> yes, we're happy to have you here. I I actually met you one time when you came and spoke to the church here the a couple of years society. ago. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I speak at a lot of them. Relief Society, lots <laughs> yeah. of young men, lots of young women. I'm yes. sure. Yes, yes, but I yeah. That's right. You did meet him back mm-hmm. then. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a couple of years, but yeah, yeah. So, so it's good to see you again. Yeah. And Mr. Ward's just a, like one of my, well, probably my, the one teacher I've kept in touch with all these years, the teacher that everyone loves, everyone, he's just such a great guy. And you keep up with so many students. It's really neat to see that. As we're chatting one about. of the really good things about my refugee work is that it started out hundreds of Alta students and now probably... 75% of the people I work with, I don't even know. Oh, wow. But, so it, a lot, but, but it started Alta. That's right, so cool. Right, right. Yeah. No, I feel like there are a few, lots of people in our neighborhood that went to Alta and they all knew, know who oh, are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, so, yeah. So you maybe, said he taught AP history? He taught AP history, but I had him in student government. So oh, my senior awesome. year, I was a student body officer and he was our advisor and, or our main, I guess, is that what you call it? Advisor? Okay. Yeah. Our main advisor. And I was thinking about it. Mr. Ward was like, just the most supportive, fun. He would go along with all our crazy ideas. Do you remember when we went to Las Vegas? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we drug you there. You went to Las Vegas? Yeah, for our, the very last thing, we made this big video for kind of like the inauguration of the next SBOs, and we took Mr. Word with us, and we just did like silly things. I don't even remember what the point of the video was. <laughs> but... Each place, we lost an officer. Oh, we had to find And we them. had to announce the new officer. Oh, that's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, so we, really we started out, remember the ice chest? In, oh, Sipi- yeah. in Scipio, 
<laughs> and, and remember, oh, all the way to Vegas. Yeah, stops. we just okay, did little process. stops. Light, all light the way. Mead. Yeah, Lake Mead. That's right. <laughs> and, we and Bellagio. The Bellagio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. so fun. It was like an excuse for all of us to go do a trip together at the end of the year. And I remember, like, do you think Mr. Ward will come? Brock's like, I think he'll come. I think we can get him to come. There must be something about student body office advisor because uh, I was a student yeah. body officer too my oh, senior year I and I'm like oh I love John Olson like he yeah. was such a friendly guy he was very involved in our lives like and kept in contact you know after yeah. like and you, you get close to him I think because it's a different type of class and I yeah. felt and I felt lucky um sometimes you hear teachers go into the faculty room and complain about this person or that person and all I taught all day long for 35 years were AP students and student government. So they were ki- high achievers. And so yeah. I would think, what are these people complaining about? All yeah. I have kids are, are good amazing. Kids. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah, and stuff like true. that. So it's 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 really, really nice. Yeah. And I actually had a great high school experience myself a long time ago. Oh, All right. Cool. Yeah, maybe tell us where you grew yeah. up and where you went to high school. I grew up in San Antonio, Texas, actually a suburb called Alamo Heights. Uh, it was a great, great school. Extremely high expectations. Um, uh, most of the kids went back east to college after they graduated from high school. I went back to the University of Maryland to mm-hmm. start with until my father passed away. And uh, I just, I loved high school. In my, my high school was the type of school that when we went to state in football or state in basketball or something like that, all the business was would shut down, and they oh, would put on cool. the door, gone to support Alamo Heights oh, at awesome. State and stuff like that. My parents took me to every single football game, probably from the second or third grade <laughs> through graduating from high school. I mm. never missed a football game oh, wow. or, or anything like that, and uh it, it was a great experience, and I had great parents. I, have, I had an older brother who uh, was uh, equally supportive and, and wonderful. And uh, I, t- t- to be honest, I've really, really been blessed. In, in fact, sometimes you almost feel a little bit guilty, especially when you work with refugees every day mm-hmm. and you hear their stories yeah. and you know what they've been through, and then you realize... Why is your life so easy when their life has been so hard? Yeah. And, and I don't know the answer to that question. I don't either, yet. but yeah. I think, you know, we'll get into what you're doing for refugees, but I think that because of your, you know, maybe your privilege or your blessings of having such a good family, then you have the energy to help others, That's which is super important. I, I'll never forget, we were watching TV one night at home, and I was young. I mean, I was eight or nine or ten years old, and um, there was a newscast, and I don't know what the law was then. I'm sure it's changed now, but uh, th- there was a little Hispanic girl that a hospital would not admit because she had been there before, and her parents had been unable to pay the bill. Mm. And like I say, I'm sure laws have changed now. And so my mother said, oh, let's go, we're going. And so we got in the car, and we drove to the hospital, and my mother wrote out a check and said, this is for the little oh, girl. Oh, wow. And she said, and please send any future bills she has to me. I'll be glad to pay them. Oh. And so that's the background that oh, I came yeah. from. Mm-hmm. And so I really believe that my 
my mother is probably the reason yeah. I do that. And my dad is the reason I love history mm-hmm. because we, several times we would go on vacations and we would go to different civil law, civil war and American Revolution battlefields or things oh. like Independence Hall in, in Philadelphia or oh. Washington, D.C. and the Smithsonian's or, or uh, Gettysburg or Vicksburg where the siege was in Mississippi. And so... Part of me is my mom and part mm-hmm. of me is my dad. It's a really yeah. great combination. That really is, yeah. <laughs> That's really cool that your mom did that. And yeah, at such a young age, and it was a big impact. And oh, they, yeah, for sure. And I'm stuck with you. Yeah, she was an amazing person. Yeah. yeah that's really neat. Um, so you ended up moving. So you said you went to college back in Maryland, right? And then how did you end up in Utah? Well, I, I started out at the University of Maryland... I'd been there two weeks. Someone came into my room and said, the lady, the woman that lived at the dorm needs to see you. So I said, okay. So I went down and she said, will you go back in this room? The dean of men would like to see you. And I thought, two weeks at the University of Maryland, <laughs> 25, 30,000 students. Why, why does me? it? Yeah. Do, why does it? What did I do? <laughs> yeah. I don't think I missed too many classes. You know, yeah. you you think of all the bad things. Right. Um, yeah. Kind of like when you're in high school and you're called to the principal's office and you think, <laughs> I wonder what he or she knows. This is type thing. And so he said, I hate to have to tell you this, but totally unexpected. Your father passed away to oh. the, today. Oh, wow. And I'd only been to college for two weeks. <clears throat> so I went to the University of Maryland for that year. Mm. Um, had a really, really good experience there. Um, and then when I came home, I decided that I needed to be near home. <clears throat> so there was a smaller, very fine liberal arts school called Southwestern University, which is in Georgetown, Texas, which is about 20 miles outside of Austin. And so I went there for three and a half years, and that's where oh, that's I got great. my degree. Mm. I think I probably would have gone into business, and I, and I, I don't want to get too churchy in this particular uh, what we're doing, mm-hmm. but um, I missionaries showed up. Uh, I was a member of a, another church and another denomination, which I have so so much respect for today. But uh, the missionaries taught me, and I was in—I think it was in 1968—I was baptized to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and it kind of changed. My goals from successful businessman like my father and my brother were to more being like my mother was and wanting to serve. And I thought, you know what, I I really think I would like to be a teacher Hmm. because that's something that just seems something that I, I would really, really like. And so I came to BYU, went to graduate school, worked on my master's in his, American history because that's my, <laughs> my love, and uh, met my wife who was from Casper, Wyoming. Uh, <coughs> we got married uh, in the Provo LDS Temple, and I've basically lived here since 1970. Oh, wow. That's and awesome. so, what's that, 53 years? <laughs> yeah. 53 years, so. Wow. But. But once you're a Texan, you're always a Texan. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I have ties to Texas. And uh, 
In fact, when my brother passed away, <laughs> I think it's been about almost three years ago now, it was it was so strange because all of my first cousins pretty much have passed away. My mom and dad obviously have passed away. My only brother has passed away. And there's no one now that I can sit down and talk to about what we did when we were kids. Oh, yeah. Because everybody that I did something with when I was a kid, it, it's gone. They're gone. And it, it's, it's really, it's, um, it, it's an adjustment to it. Oh, I bet. And yeah. stuff like that. And it, it's kind of sad. Yeah. I did go back to San Antonio um, oh, within the last year. Um, went to about 65 different graves. Of, wow. Wow. Um, put flowers on everyone. Oh. And uh, most of them in San Antonio, but some in Bay City, Texas. Um, spent a week just going with my nephew, who's really into family history, too. And... Uh, we went around to all these graves and put flowers, and it was it was really really cool. So oh. I do have some ties to Texas still. Yeah, wow, that's, really that's cool. amazing. Yeah. Well, I well, love that. I love that you chose teaching because I already felt like I've heard the impact you've had on kids, and well, so you could take something you love and then also impact kids, and then also I know we'll get into and you also know them. the kids impact you. Yes, mm. that, that's the other thing about refugee work. I. I sometimes feel a little bit guilty because I get all the credit and other people do most of the work and I just kind of facilitate what they do. But but also, I, I've, I've said this to so many people that, that working with refugees as I've done for the last 14 years is, has really become kind of addictive, <laughs> which is kind of has a bad connotation, I know. But, but uh, and, and what they do for me at my age, I turned 62 this month. Uh, pardon me, 82 this month. Yes. 62 would be nice. Yeah. You can edit that out. Okay. Uh, um, and you feel 62 in your heart, right? Yeah. yeah. I, well, my body knows it's 82. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's, it's an everyday type thing. But uh, the, the refugees do as much for me as I could possibly do for them. That's awesome. Um, when I left Alta, I went straight into the hospital and uh, my family was told that I was going to pass away on Christmas Day 2007 oh, wow. uh, with terminal cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and I got out of the hospital. I was in the hospital and care centers one week short of five months no. so I was really, really, really sick and so when I didn't die and our youngest son was still on his LDS mission, still had 10 months to go in Bangkok, Thailand. And um, I was looking for a way to show appreciation for blessings. And my hair kind of grew back. <laughs> and um, a principal of Granite Park Junior High in Salt Lake, which is on about 2nd East and 30th South, called me and asked me if I could come up there and help him out for six to eight weeks. And I said I would love to. And that school is kind of the antithesis of the school that I went to, uh, that my son went to at Long Peak and American Fork, that I taught at at Alta. Um, it's a school that has students from 60 different countries that speak 49 different languages. Wow. Mm -hmm. I had one class class 
24 students, 19 different languages, none of them English. Oh, wow. Okay, and so I felt like Heavenly Father said, okay, you wanted to show appreciation for blessings, now here, do it. Yeah. And so that's where I started. And I actually stayed up at Granite Park. Um, one teacher passed away, oddly enough, of the same type of cancer that I have. And so I took his classes for eight and a half months. Mm. And so then I got to know all the teachers, so when they needed a sub. So I really kind of stayed up there for about five years mm. on, on a regular basis. But that's where I started my refugee work. Okay, yeah, I was just going to ask oh. that. So you retired when you thought you were going to die, and then you didn't die. Once you got a little better, you started teaching at this school. And then this is how you started your refugee that's how I started. process. The counselor at that school had been an AP history student of mine. Mm. Oh, and okay. she said, why don't you put something together for uh, parent-teacher conferences and collect some stuff and put them out on the table? Well, I sent out a letter to about 75 of my friends saying, do you have used clothing, stuff like that? One of the, boy, one of the boys' mother that I sent it to contacted me and said, could our son Blake Cristani hook up with you? and do his Eagle Project as what you're doing at the school. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes. And they collected an entire living room full of clothes, over 10,000 pieces of clothes. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I don't know if you knew any of the Walbeck kids or not. She was a Walbeck before she oh. got married. Um, and um, uh, it got started, and, and, and now it's it's pretty much... I would say on a slow week, it's five days a week, and on a f busy week, it's six or seven days a week, and that's what I do. Yeah. So it started out just with contacts, like you, you met people at that school, and, and then it just slowly grew. Like, did you, you started reaching out to different students you knew to, like, help, and I remember, <coughs> I've been friends with you on Facebook for a long time, so I feel like you started just... Is that the primary way, or, or were you texting people? Like, how did you get people to know and it's, get involved? It's, it's immediate. It's it's so interesting. Almost everything in this world can be used for good or for bad. Yeah. And social media has exactly. a really bad rap right now with mm -hmm. states trying to outlaw things and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And I understand that because I'm sure it has some psychological effects that can sure. be negative. But if it weren't for Facebook, I would not be able to do what I do. Yeah, I do Facebook. I do it every single day. Um, I'm on Facebook uh, assigning families, asking for um, donations of consumables or stuff that we'll get into in a few minutes. And, um, and it started out probably... I would say probably for the first year, 90 to 95% of the people who helped me were former Alta students. That's awesome. Um, I have probably spoke at, I've probably given maybe, remember this is over 14 years, maybe <laughs> two or 300 talks. Mm. Um, some at schools, but, but mostly at churches. Mm. Um Lots of groups, uh, the dance company at Corner Canyon, uh, the seminary at Westlake. Um, just last night, I was out with a group of students from Lone Peak High School that I'm mm -hmm. going to talk about in a few minutes because of a, an experience that we had. Uh, an English service assignment at Alta High School, um, a football team at Bingham High School, um, 
there's just, uh, I mean, if I had a dollar for every time someone said, I want to help, I just don't know what to do, mm -hmm. I, I, I'd be rich. Yeah. Because everyone wants to help, but they don't know what to do. And the Ward Foundation and our work, we, we pretty much can show them what they need to do or what, yeah, they, can do they, can, what they can do if yeah. they choose to. So when did it turn into the Ward Foundation? When did you come, become official, I guess? That's an interesting question. Mm -hmm. um, I resisted a formal foundation for years. Um, to be honest, what I want to do is get out and help refugees. What I don't want to do is paperwork and a bureaucracy <laughs> yes. and a process yeah, of, part of, a of, of for applying <laughs> to do it. But what happened is everyone asked me half a, half a question. The half a question they would ask me was, how are you going to make sure this continues? The half a question they didn't continue was, when you die. Okay? But I knew exactly what they meant. Okay? Yeah. And so an attorney from Draper by the name of Mary Squire and a friend of a former student body president, Austin McKeenan, who lives in Alpine, um, approached me and said, we need to set up a foundation uh, so this can go on after in and I don't think I can pronounce the word in perpetuity. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> There's certain yeah. words you can't say. <laughs> and, and so uh, Mary was nice enough to do the legal work. Um, Austin had been an executive for one of the largest 5013Cs in the whole United States. I'm talking about, I believe, over a billion dollars mm -hmm. um, with college scholarships. He lived in North Carolina. But he moved to Alpine because he had two sons play sports for BYU. So he quit his job, moved to Alpine, and so he could see his sons play sports. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they're, they're both on our board along with many, many other people. There's, there's one lady, uh, Jessica White from Stansbury Park, that's probably helped me for 10 years. And, and she's on the board. I was with her last night also and stuff like that. And so... We set it up, and uh, <clears throat> for the most part, I do what I did before. Is there a little bit of a bureaucracy? Hopefully not. And I, I don't want to sound like I think I don't. I don't want to sound critical of agencies that are much larger than us that have more to go through, because. There are agencies like Catholic Community Services and IRC, International Rescue Committee, that do fabulous jobs and sponsor refugees that come over. And we would not be able to help the refugees that we help without those two specific agencies mm. uh, that do so much good. But ours is much more of a hands-on thing than it is a, a not a hands-on mm -hmm. type of thing yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, well, it is neat because, you know, I've done a, a family with you a couple of years ago and you just kind of like we volunteer to do a family and then we're kind of left like, I mean, we, we find out what they need and it was really neat. Like we're able to just get the things for them. I, I use Facebook as well. Like can people help donate some things? And so it is neat. I don't feel like, like you're saying, like the, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of bureaucracy. You really kind of just trust 
the people that take on the projects and you delegate. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah that's why I felt you're like, here's a family. This is their ages and names. Go meet them and see yeah. what they need. Yeah. Go so meet them. Really and that's cool. the cool. Yeah. We, it's really we, neat. This year, it looks like we will do about 2,000 families. Holy uh, cow. Uh, last year, we did 1,918 families. Oh, wow. So we've grown. Um, the year before that, 1699. And it started with that class that I talked about with 24 students. I had a young women's president from an LDS ward in Draper call me and say, could you find me seven students for our young women to do for Christmas? And I said, sure. So I picked seven out of my class that I thought might be most needy. And I wasn't very bright about this because they immediately went in and told all the other kids. Oh, and right. so all the kids would come and say, well, when is somebody going to come see us? Oh, <laughs> so the first year we did 24. Mm. The 24 out of that class. Out of that class. And stuff like that. And uh, um, and there, there are people that have, this is my 14th year to do this, I believe. I've, I, there's people that have done families for 14 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and, uh, and stuff like that. Can I talk a little bit about how we do what we do year round? For sure. And, yeah, that's what I was just going to actually ask and you. And what sure. we do for Christmas? Christmas. Yes. yes. Everyone yeah. wants to help at Christmas. I know, yeah. but you also need help. Always, people it's, always need help. In yeah. June, you need help. Yes, exactly. And, and stuff like that. <clears throat> I would say there's there's there are projects that we do at a specific time of the year, mm-hmm. and then there are projects that we do the entire always. year. Uh, with the help of Marty Bodell, who is an Alta graduate, <laughs> we've given away about 2,700 bicycles. He changes tires, puts seats in, changes tubes. He's amazing yeah. um, and stuff like that. And the reason we do bikes year-round is a refugee from Nepal came to me a long time ago. His name was Krishna. And he said, Mr. Don, that's what he called me. He said, Mr. Don, could you get me a bicycle? And I said, why do you, this is our first bike. I said, why, why do you need a bike? And he said, well, he's, I would say at that time he was 23, 24 years old. He said, I work in the laundry at Grand America. So he says, I, I walk to tracks, which is about seven blocks. <clears throat> I get on tracks. Tracks lets me off right at Grand America. But I work in the laundry and I don't get off until 2 or 3 in the morning and there is no tracks at 2 or 3 in the morning. And so for the last year, I've had to walk from five days a week from Grand America to home and I drove it and it was 47 blocks. So in the middle of winter, in the middle of summer, Wow. He was walking him. I said, we will find you a bicycle today. Mm. And that's that's the reason we started bikes for the year round. Mm. We also give away a lot of furniture, um, used furniture when people get new pieces and stuff like that that's in decent condition. Um, we do consumables every single day. Yeah. Uh, diapers, wet wipes, toilet paper, uh, laundry soap white rice, vegetable oil, you get the picture. Uh, Like that, we do that every single day. In fact, I just went to the store and bought stuff right before I came here to do this podcast. 
and uh, going to take it to a family that I'm going to talk to you about in a few minutes because I just met them last night. Oh, wow. um, so I've always said in January I try to recover <laughs> from, from, from Christmas, <laughs> sure. but we do a lot of coats and a lot of blankets. <clears throat> do you know any of the Bradley kids? Um, like, well, yeah. The Jeremiah Bradley. Yes. Mary, I was going to say, which one? There's like five of them. Yeah. <laughs> They're all the boys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Jeremiah just gave us 800 brand new coats. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and so he married to Aaron, right? He started Zaya. Yeah. That's oh. right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 And he, and, uh, he had given us 600 backpacks mm. for back to school. Oh. But, uh, and, uh, and so <clears throat> we do lots of blankets and coats in uh, January. Mm. From then, and I want to make sure that I don't take any of the credit for this, mm-hmm. but there is a wonderful, wonderful woman from Saratoga Springs <clears throat> who about six or seven years ago <clears throat> um, hopped in her truck, was late for, I think she said, women's conference, and uh, ran over and killed her two-year-old little boy. And so in memory of him, that whole south area by the lake of Saratoga Springs <clears throat> puts together hundreds of Easter baskets because it was at that time of year that the accident happened in memory of her son, and we distribute them with her. So that's that's one of the two wants we do. The other one I'll talk about in a minute. <clears throat> and then from there, we give a graduation card with a small gift card in it um, to refugees who are graduating from high school that year. From that, we give away box fans. <clears throat> um, it's funny, I quite often have people when we talk about box fans will say, well, why don't they just turn on their air conditioner? <laughs> it's because they can't afford their electric bill. Okay? So even if their apartment is air conditioned, which many of them are, after two or three months of getting a bill, it goes off. So over the last several years, we've given away about 7,500 box fans. Wow. Because it's hard to give one box fan to someone that lives in a two or three bedroom apartment. Right, you want to give mm. one for every room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so we've given away that. From that, we do a massive, massive, massive school supplies. Mm. I would say between ten and 15,000 pieces. We may have even gone to 20,000 pieces of school supplies that, mm. that we give away. From there, we go to the other one. We just finished on giving away 1,050 Halloween costumes to the little, oh, to, to the little kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we gave those. And last year, the dance company at uh, Corner Canyon collected them, some of them for us and, and different groups. Uh, there's several women's business groups, especially in the mortgage industry, uh, Tiffany Swinson and Leslie Moss and Stacy Cadmill and, and some of them. They search out their friends and they they uh, collect that we do that and then from there we go into um, Christmas mm. and stuff like that in fact after Christmas uh, pardon me after uh, Halloween I took off for a week went down to Southern California because I just thought I need a week before to we start Christmas yeah, to get your energy Christmas. up <laughs> so those are things we do periodically and and other things we do 
Can we talk about where the refugees come from? Yeah, oh, that's I sure. am. I would love yeah. to know that. Yeah. Most people don't know. I think at Women's Conference for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, about seven or eight, I don't remember how many years ago it was, uh, they talked about working with refugees. And I would have so many people say, gosh, I'd love to work with refugees. I wish there were some in Utah. <laughs> and you're like, uh. <laughs> and and I, I would say, yes, there's only between 60 and 70,000 in Utah. <laughs> and I said, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> because the people that live where I live or the people that I taught don't know they're there. No, yeah. They have no idea that they're there. And so um, I would say there's three areas although there's becoming a fourth now. Uh, three areas, when I started out, most of the refugees came from. There's about 12 countries in Africa. I'd say the biggest are the Congo, Somalia, Uganda, um, Kenya, in, in those areas there, Eritrea, who most Americans don't even know it's a country. Large numbers from Sudan. And, and those areas there. Uh, the second area, for obvious reasons, oh, and the ones from there are, are mostly wars. Most Americans don't know, I think there's been around 5 million killed in the Congo War. There's been around 500,000 killed in the uh, tribal wars in Somalia and mm -hmm. stuff like that, and they're, they're fleeing that. The second group, um, for, for obvious reasons, in the Middle East, Iraq, Afghanistan, um, all, all of the Middle East area because of the wars that are going on and, and things such as yeah. that. Um, and then the third area, there's a, a large group from Burma and Nepal. I believe there's around 1,800 Nepalis in Utah. Um, some of the Nepalis... What happened was, about 100 years ago, a large group from Nepal went to Bhutan. Well, the leader of Bhutan, about 30 years ago now, said, there's too many Nepalis here, you're taking over our country, plus Bhutan is Buddhist and Nepalis are primarily Hindu. Mm -hmm. And so he said, unless you can prove with paperwork that your family has lived here 100 years goodbye. So they were forced back to Nepal and they were put in United Nations refugee camps and there were seven of them and they, there, there was about 107,000 people in these refugee camps. So if you meet someone from Nepal here the chances are they lived in the refugee camp for about 20 years. Wow. 20 to 24 years in that area there. The Burmese some of them will tell you they're from Thailand but they're really there's two tribes, the Karen, the Karini. They were kicked out of Burma. They went to Nepal. Oh, pardon me, they went to Thailand. They, they were put in, they, they stayed in our refugee camps in Thailand, and now they're migrating over here. Those are the three areas that was mostly. The group that's hitting us now, uh, I was listening to KSL the other night, and so I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say something that they said, and I hope it's correct. Okay, But they said within the past month, and I presume that's the month of November, 
uh, it was estimated that there's about 900 brand new refugees in Utah alone from Venezuela. And there's a huge number of Venezuelans because of the government and the corruption and the stuff like that. In fact, in the apartment project I live in, in Draper, there are four families there that I know of from Venezuela. And I just got a phone call about one, uh, the one that's just been here for three weeks just last night Mm. that I need to investigate and find out today. Not in my place, but someplace else. And and stuff like that. So that's kind of where they are. And that's kind of what we do. Um, um, I'd like to tell you about maybe a story from each one of those areas. Yeah. Is, is that yeah, all right? Yeah, we'd love to hear yeah. it. Yeah, this is, this is super. It's so interesting, yeah. Okay. Okay, let's, let's start off. I, I knew a family. Sometimes they would tell me they were from Kenya, and sometimes they would tell me they were from Somalia. And the reason is because they were from Somalia, but because of the war in Somalia, they lived in a refugee camp in Kenya. So they they were actually from both places, kind of like I'm from Texas and Utah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I knew them quite well. And there was a mom and a dad and three very young kids. Um, they, I would say the kids, and this is a guess, were eight, six, and four. Well, one night I was on my computer. And all of a sudden, a message popped up, and he said, you don't know me. I live in a refugee camp in Kenya. I understand you work with refugees in Utah, and my family is in Utah. Can you help me find them? And so he explained a few things to me, and I said, I don't need to find them. I actually know them very well. And so I went and talked to the dad who was also legally blind, but he, but he could see shadows and things like that. And I said, I'm really confused. I knew there was you and your wife, but I knew about the three little kids. I did not know you had a 16-year-old son still in Kenya. He said, yes. He said, uh, he was not on the list that was permitted to come. And I said, oh, I said, was it hard for you to decide to come? And he looked at me kind of strange. He said, I don't understand what you're asking me. And he said, uh, I said, well, did you think about not coming because you you had to leave your son? And And he said, sir, why would I do that? He said, wouldn't you rather save three of your children than none of your children? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a Sophie's Choice yes. type type yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. And that boy, I believe, is 23 years old and is still in the refugee camp in Kenya, oh, as wow. far as I know. I've kind of lost touch. So because he was in a... Well, he wasn't an adult. He was only 16, but they only would let him bring their younger kids. Well, I think there were some complications that came about with different mothers. Oh, okay. And so I, I think there were some legal reasons. I'm, I don't right. get, I don't get into the legal a right. lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a very legal mind. My mind is more emotion based than logical based sometimes yeah. <laughs> in, in some ways and stuff like that. Okay. Let's talk about, I have to tell you two stories about Afghans. Okay. Um, 
last night with two young men's groups from Alpine, we had two huge pickup loads of one was all toilet paper. They bought a whole pallet at uh, Sam's Club, and the other was a whole pickup of vegetable oil. And we went to a specific um, apartment project and to, to hand things out. Well, uh, we went to a Afghan family that I knew, and we delivered it, and they said, come, 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 come. There's new families. And so they took us to a family that had uh, had got here from um, Afghan and had been here one day. Oh. So now they've been here two days, and that's where I'm going as soon as I leave here because oh, I just went, I just went shopping for them. Mm-hmm. Um, we got there. It was a mother whose husband had been blown up by a bomb in Afghanistan mm. and killed, and th- three children. Her children were older. Uh, one was 20, one was 29, and the other one was older than 29. And uh, I, we walked into their apartment, and the only furniture I saw in the entire apartment was one, what's it called, futon? Oh, yeah. That, that was the only thing that was in the apartment. Hmm. We were lucky because the man that took us took his son with us, and he spoke a little bit of English. Yeah, and so we started saying, "What do you need? We don't have any dishes. We don't have any blankets. We don't have a couch. All of the Afghans want rugs because they eat on the floor. They don't eat at a table. They eat on the floor, and so we're getting rugs. In fact, I think after I got home last night, I think I have four or five rugs." coming for them and they put it in every Afghan that you talk to the first thing they want is rugs and they put rugs in every room mm. put rugs over their carpet mm. okay they, they do that type thing um and so I was just amazed as as we talked to these people what they had and what they didn't have and they were just they were so excited to see us there, and they were so excited that, that. And then the very last thing, the twenty-year-old boy said to me, he says, "We don't have any food." Mm. Okay, and so that's the reason I went to Walmart neighborhood market today, <laughs> and 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 picked up some food. The other one from Afghanistan that will show you a little bit on why they came. I kind of made a mistake. I went to an end of, I was invited and went to an end of Ramadan party right after the fiasco of not being able to get them out of Afghanistan. And you saw on the news where they're trying to go jump on the airplanes and and, and stuff like that. Well, I thought, well, that's over. The Taliban has taken over. There will be no more refugees coming from Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. What I didn't realize is there were thousands of them that didn't get on the airplanes, but they went to Iran, they went to Turkey, they went to Qatar, they went to all of these other countries, and now they're slowly migrating. So we ran into a family that went to Iran. We, of course, they could not immigrate here from Iran because we don't have 
diplomatic relationships with Iran because we consider it a terrorist country. Um, but they flew to Chile. And so from Chile, it took them a year to migrate from Chile up to the San Diego border. They walked the entire country of Panama. They walked much of Mexico. They got rides along the way. And they did it with a five-year-old little boy and a one-year-old little oh, boy. Wow. And they got to the border in San Diego, reported to the border guards legally, and said, we're from Afghanistan. They said, well, you can come in because of what you've been through. Plus, many, many, I would, I would say two-thirds of the Afghans that I know, their fathers or their brothers interpreted for our troops which meant they were in serious danger with the Taliban because the Taliban are looking for them. Mm. And so they said, but, but here's the problem. You can't get any government services until you become an official asylum okay. person. Yeah. And the problem there is you have months and months and months backlog to wait. So you can't have food stamps. You can't have the government reduced housing. You can't get the permit to get a job. Okay. Or or anything like that. I just checked yesterday on that specific thing, and not for this broadcast, but for a family. Um, if you go through a private source to apply for asylum it costs between $8,000 and $13,000 which none of them have but if you go through a free source the wait is approximately two years Mm. and how can you live on nothing for two years and no job and no yeah, and it's it's really, really, really difficult. Um, we have found some help. Uh, the Ward Foundation does not pay rent. We do not do that types of things. We have found some dentists that will help us because many of the refugees just have mm. horrible teeth mm. with needing root canals. The University of Utah Dental Lab has has helped us with this specific family that we're talking about now that migrated Mm -hmm. from Chile up here. Um, I have probably 20 or 25 students that are dentists, and Mm -hmm. and some of them have volunteered to help pro bono and stuff like that. Um, But people always ask me, what are the biggest problems? That's one of the biggest problems. And the other biggest problem, and I don't want to sound sarcastic because I'm not trying to be sarcastic I I do not I never put anything whatsoever political on my Facebook and Mm -hmm. that's deliberate and I don't because I have Mormons and non-Mormons and anti-Mormons I have gay, straight I have BYU fans I have Utah fans (laughs) I have Trump lovers and Trump haters I have Democrats and Republicans, and we're all just doing something for the common good. Yeah, and, our, want to that. and our yeah. society seems so divisive today mm-hmm. yeah. that 
relatives don't talk to relatives over who they voted for in the last election. Amazing, yeah. And it, so I, I don't do any of that whatsoever. But I, I, I do... The other biggest problem is I think it's wonderful the way Utah people respond. I think it's wonderful the way they donate. I think it's wonderful the way they support our foundation and other foundations. But let's be realistic. There is no cheap housing in this state. Mm -hmm. It does not exist. And where I... I want to make sure I don't knock anybody or any group. <laughs> there's, there's, I don't know of a place where they could build really cheap housing that the neighborhoods would not rise up in, say, not in my area, mm-hmm. because it will prep, it will affect our property values, mm-hmm. or it will make more traffic stuff that. I don't know if you watched the news just last week. But there was a, there is a very large government subsidized low housing. Uh, it's called Holiday Hills. It's up on Highland Drive, and they are evicting everybody, all 130 mm. apartments there, because the the new owners. It will no longer be low income. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be 130 families without, home, yeah. without a place to go. And I'll be honest, I don't know where they go. And they and they are, I would not say they're a majority of refugees because we have very few refugees there. But, but I mean, let's face it, we when we run across a white person, an African-American person, a Hispanic person, or a refugee person in our travels that needs help, we're, we're going to help them. We're not exclusively mm-hmm. for a specific right. group and stuff like that although the huge majority of those that we help are refugees yeah and, and stuff like that let's see what area have I not got to okay Nepal I've kind of already been over in the sense I, I do want to tell you about a young boy from Burma a refugee if they can find a place that's $20 cheaper a month they'll go they, um. they'll go yeah, yeah. That's huge. Over time. They'll move four times in a year mm-hmm. if they're on a year, on month to month lease yeah. and stuff like that. But um, I, uh, I was listening to general conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and uh, I, I listened especially to Elder Rasband's talks because his kids went to Alta, his kids oh. were in my class. We had a student government party in his home, and oh, I didn't uh, know that. and uh, there's Robin Rasband, Rochelle Rasband, Chris, Shannon, Jessica. Oh, I didn't even know. I don't. Yeah, they they they, <laughs> they, all, they all went there. Um, I think their dad was called to be a mission president in New York, so maybe one of the younger ones didn't. Okay. Um, and so I always listened to his talk, and he gave a talk about following promptings. If you're prompted to do something, follow it. Well, I had a family from Burma that outside his house, there was a patch of dirt that I would say was probably about 15 by 8. And so every year he planted a little garden there. 
So he had his own little garden outside of his apartment. And so he asked me if I would get him a little white fence to put around it. Mm. And they're, they're super cheap, believe me. And so I bought it. And so I was sitting there listening to conference, and I thought, you know, I ought to take that fence up and give it to that family from Burma. And then I talked myself out of it. I said, no, I go up there every single day. This fence is not an emergency. He can get this the next time I go up. And then Elder Rasband started talking about being prompted. And so I said, then I got mad at myself. I said, I'm so mad at myself. I cannot believe I'm getting in my car and taking this white fence that they, that they do not need. And so I, I got in my car and I drove up there and I gave him the fence. And so as I turned, I asked this boy, he was a sophomore at Cottonwood High School. Um, and there's a huge number of refugees at Cottonwood because you realize they closed Granite High. Mm -hmm. And when um, they closed Granite High, they, they shipped that South Salt Lake area and everything to Cottonwood. Mm -hmm. And so I turned and I talked to the boy. I said, uh, is there anything else you need? And it was kind of like one of those, how are you today's? You don't really expect an answer. I'm fine. I mean, even if you're terrible, you say, I'm fine. Yeah. And so he turned and he looked at me and he had a tear run down his eye. And he had a tear run down his eye. And he said, we're hungry. We haven't had anything to eat for two days. Oh. I realized the prompting was not about the fence. Mm -hmm. The prompting was about this family that didn't have any food. And so obviously I went to the store and bought them food and, and, and took it back to them. And so I, I try to follow those promptings now. And I'm sure some of the promptings are promptings, and I'm sure some are my imagination. <laughs> but I still try to follow those little promptings, etc., and stuff like that, because I think it's and I'm just following through with those thoughts and ideas. And I mean, that's the difference. Like, it's so easy, like you said, to make up a reason. Oh, I don't need to go do this today or that or whatever. But <clears throat> yeah, that makes a huge difference. The other thing is, I, I cannot tell you how appreciative the refugees are. Um, it's funny. When someone gets a family and they've never had a family before, they say, what do we do? What do we say? Do we have to take our shoes off? What, 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 what? And their culture is so different than ours. I mean, if I tried to take off my shoes, even though every one of them have taken off their shoes, they would say, no, 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 no. You don't need to take off your shoes. It's not mm -hmm. that big a deal. Mm -hmm. um, someone knocks on my door, and if I go to the door and I don't know them, in my mind... Who are you and what do you want? Yeah, are you salesmen? Like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you here? Are you, are you, selling, are you selling curvy vacuums? <laughs> yeah, or so something, it's happening. You know, or something. And uh, to them, come in. Yeah. And they run and get you, they cut up an apple or cut up fruit or give you nuts or dates yeah. or something like that. They say, here, they have yeah. no idea why you're there. But they, they love to have people to come in yeah. and, and to visit. I, 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 I sometimes have people say, well, do you think you're ever taken advantage of? 
And the obvious answer is certainly I've been taken advantage <laughs> of. But that doesn't mean the 95% that right. don't so do it, we're going to stop it. Right. Or we're going to hire a private detective, Paul Drake, <laughs> from, find out. From, yeah. from Perry Mason, to investigate, to try to figure out whether they really should get some toothpaste or not, mm-hmm. yeah, and, yeah. and stuff like that. But but certainly, uh, someone said, have you ever been manipulated? I said, yes, and the people who say they've never been manipulated have probably been manipulated the most. So, yeah, because that's very I, true. I've been manipulated <laughs> by students at Alta High School. I've been, yeah. I've been manipulated many times, by my, I'm sure, by my own children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, the, the joke around our house was, if you really want to get your kids to do something like uh, mow the yard or rake the leaves or clean up the backyard from the dogs, the best time to do it was right around junior prom time when they needed the money. Money, <laughs> money, money for the limo, yes, money for the, like, gray, well, you know, the, the the fancy the five alls dinner or, yeah, or, or, some, dress, or, or yeah. something, something like that. That was a great time to get things done around the house. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And, and stuff like Motivating. that. Motivating. <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Although I, we were very, very fortunate with our two kids and still are questions do you have no i was just like as you're talking like wow you've probably met so many different kinds of people and i know it's and the and people on both sides of the refugees that need help and then all the people coming to help volunteer just the relationships and the people you must have met along the way that's amazing and And, so cool and, and there are families in this community who have done so much and and sometimes I get tired of people criticizing other people who are extremely successful because they have no idea what good those people have done. Mm, yeah. It's not it's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the covetousness and coveting the money. Mm-hmm. And there are people that I taught them or their children in Alta High School that have, and many others, that have been over backwards to try to help the refugee community. And I'm just great that we are a, a small organization that can do this. I, I, I will ask people for help for refugees that I would never ask for help for myself. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's And, uh, and I sometimes, I, I worry sometimes because... If you looked at a hundred of my posts of Facebook, ninety-eight of them are going to be about refugee work, and I'm sure there's people that say, "Let's defriend him." I'm so sick of that. <laughs> um, it's him saying, "Will you give us toilet paper?" <laughs> Which is interesting because before COVID, we would go, we would have someone to go around to each of the people, and they would make a list of what they wanted for Christmas. And the number one item the refugees asked for Christmas was toilet, toilet paper. Oh, no. Yeah. Can you imagine if we gave our kids toilet paper, paper for Christmas? Christmas? They, but their kids are probably so grateful for it. I mean, that's the... That's they, they, yeah. It's just... Well, you just think, different. they literally... I mean, I think we need to put ourselves in their shoes. And the only way to do that is to meet them, to visit them, to serve them. 
but they literally come here with nothing. Yeah. And like you're saying, not only do not they come here with nothing, but they, a lot of them don't come with any type of paperwork or legal stuff to be able to get a job or get government help. <coughs> the only way that they can not starve and have shelter is if we as a community help them. And, and I have people ask me about the political and legal part. And here's my philosophy. Do I think our country needs to know who's coming into our country? Absolutely, yes. You don't let the terrorists in, you know. But the people that are here that have a need are, ch- are children of our Heavenly Father. And if I, in some small way, can bless their lives and make it easier, I'm all for it. Yeah, and the good thing is, there are so many other people who are willing to help. Like I said, I feel guilty. I get the credit and other people do all the work. Those kids from Lone Peak last night, they did all the work. And yet I somehow get most of the credit. Well, but you're working all day, every day as well. (laughs) You're the the mediator, like you're the person. You're the heart behind it. I mean, if you go all the way back to your mom and what she did for that little girl, and and then what you did for that school. And and I also, I I really believe this, and I, I don't, I mean, obviously there's a lot, there's been a lot more in my life than there's going to be in my life, okay? <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. There's more behind me than there's ahead of me and, st- and, and stuff like that. But I read articles that say people my age, especially people who live by themselves, who've lost their husbands or wives or something, their, their number one issue in their life is they're lonely. Mm. Um, I don't mean this as a brag, but I'm never lonely. Even when I'm alone, I'm not lonely. And there's a difference between being yeah. alone and being lonely. Yes. Yeah. And and it's the refugee work um, that I feel like has basically maybe one of the reasons I'm still up-functioning Getting up every morning. Purpose. It gives a purpose. Everyone needs a purpose. I because I love teaching so much. I people, I have people all the time ask me, "Do you really, really, really miss it?" But you know, there's a time and a season for all things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And 35 years of teaching plus really another five years at Grand Park Junior High. So 40 years of teaching, um, this satisfies me. Mm Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah. I, I loved my teaching. I loved the students. Do I want to go back to teaching? No. Yeah. There was, you had that. There's yeah. a time in a season. I think that, what's that in Ecclesiastic? Or, I don't know. Yeah. It's somewhere in the Bible. <laughs> I'm not a scriptorian, that's for sure. But um, they, um, they do that. <laughs> but there, there's so many, so many ways people can help. Um, yeah, just, so do you, is there... Is it usually they reach out to you through Facebook or do you go to your, do you have a website for your foundation? We have a website, just the Ward Foundation. Okay. If, okay. You, if you go into the Ward Foundation, it shows there. Um, <clears throat> most of our donations during the Christmas season are me assigned family. You go buy the things, mm-hmm. you provide it for them. Um, we are rapidly... We, we, we needed a cutoff date to where we couldn't take any more families. 
realizing even though we're past the cutoff date, we're still probably there's an emergencies mm -hmm. like the family from Venezuela that literally got here in, in the last two or three weeks that only has the clothes they're wearing. Wow. Yeah. And the person that I talked to last night got them an Airbnb for X number of time. And then after that, they don't have a place to live. Right. Right. And that's something I'm going to work on sometime today or tomorrow. I do have um, two youth groups. I have a youth group on Monday from Sandy that I'm going with. I have a youth group on Tuesday from Draper that I'm going with and will deliver lots of things. We have a, a, a um, uh, next Wednesday we have, so I guess I have one Wednesday too, um, we're a low-income housing project of probably about 30 places where we're going to give away not only consumables, but we have um, dozens and dozens of toys and stuff like that for about maybe 30 apartments mm. um, that we're going to take out to Magna. That's so great. And we're going to do that there. So is uh, the best way, like if someone's thinking, well, I really want to help, yeah. should they go to your website and then they can find I ways? Would, yeah, I would say definitely go to the website. Okay. Um, <coughs> refugees can go to the website and sign up for what they okay, need. Okay, that's good to know. We cannot always give them everything that they need. Um, we have a resort in Midway that has given us um, probably... 200 televisions mm. on oh. um, every so many years they have to change everything mm. all their sheets all their blankets all their mix masters all their alarm clocks all their everything so they donate them and they they oh, donate cool. don't yeah. donate them all and we give those out and, and the sheets they all have laundried and they look like they're brand new yeah. and the towels That's and so the nice. stuff like that yeah. occasionally we get junk yeah i'm sure um, um, sometimes I take usable. it. To, sometimes I take it to DI. Sometimes I put it in the dumpster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't like to give them people's crap. Yeah, right. No, yeah. I get that. Yeah, you nice. Know. Yeah, because there's plenty of stuff I think people donate that is in good condition. Yeah, rather there's than, a lot of yeah things you kind of know, like okay, I would want this, or you know, things that are in good condition. And, um, and some of the couches we give away are. A lot nicer than mine. Yeah, I mean, furniture is so expensive. So, yeah, I feel like that's a great thing if people had that. So, what about those kind of things? Like, is there a way to contact you or the Word Foundation about maybe items that people have? Or what's, yeah, what could yeah, they do? They, they <clears throat> could either go to the Ward Foundation page, which I'll tell you right now, I'm not a techie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't even know how to put a picture on Facebook. Any picture that's been put on someone Facebook. Someone else did it. I've either shared someone else's picture or... Or one of my sons or somebody has helped me yeah. do it because I don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how to do any of that stuff. Um, and I'm sure there's someone listening saying, then why don't you learn? Like, hey, <laughs> You're and, too busy and, helping. And, 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 they're, and they're probably <laughs> right. <laughs> you have other things going on. Yeah. But, I, but I can name the presidents of the United States in order. Can, okay, can you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. But... but, but um, um, and Andrew Jackson was the seventh president of the United States. <laughs> and, and, uh, but also my, my problem with my Facebook page, which is D E D E Ward. Mm -hmm. There's two problems. One over the last 14 years, 
my Facebook has been hacked three times. Oh, yeah. Uh, people that know a lot more about technology than mm-hmm. I know have been able to send out pictures that are pornographic, oh, that look that. like they come from me, oh, no. that yeah. look like they're a message from that. Oh, yeah. Gratefully, most of all of my friends... No, that's not you. <laughs> no, no, that's not me. Mm-hmm. But I've had to start Facebook over again. Yeah, mm-hmm. that happens. I've seen... And people will say, don't open any messages yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Watch out. And, yeah. and so there's that. Yeah. But the other problem is Facebook only allows you to have 5,000 friends. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't and, know that. And so anyone I add now... I have to delete someone else. Oh. And so I go through every <coughs> night and I delete five to ten people. Oh, so that, other people can... Then yeah. I have no idea who they are. They're, mm. they're men or women that went to a church that I spoke at mm. that took the information down four years ago that I've never heard from right, since. Yeah. And, they, and they've never heard from me. Yeah. And I have no right. idea who they are. Yeah, And so... D.E. Ward is my Facebook. There's also definitely a Ward Foundation page yeah. um, that someone other than me <laughs> Oh, that. on Facebook. Okay, so people could follow that. And then, yeah, maybe if they want to get in direct contact with you. They, they, well, you know, you can send a message to someone even though you're not a friend. Right. True. Yeah. 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 My problem is I sometimes don't get to a lot of those messages yeah. because the 5,000 are already, messaged. Are, are, are already been <laughs> yeah. taken. The number one question I'm asked that makes me smile is, do the, do the refugees need anything now? The mm-hmm. refugees always, always need something now. Yeah. And uh, can I build them a new house? No. But can I give a family food to eat? Yes. Yeah. And, and it's because of the goodness of people that have either donated to the foundation. We are a 5013C, so it's tax deductible. Anyone who's doing a family can keep the record of that. And, and, and as okay. just kind of like DI does, you can ask for a receipt and yeah. you fill it out yourself. Yeah. That type of thing. And, and they certainly can deduct that from theirs. Um, I was visiting with a family from Afghanistan the other day to show you how serious it is. He interpreted for our troops, but his relatives are still in Afghanistan. And the Taliban are looking for his relatives to behead them, not for what they did, but as punishment to him for what he did when he interpreted for our troops. And, And I would say, and this is as near political as I'll get, it's a travesty that we did not get more of those people out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was so sad. Yeah, how quick and yeah. It's easy to judge when you're not in charge of doing it. Right. Yes, that. yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's it's a, a tragedy. Yeah. yeah, super hard. Yeah, I think it's a good reminder. I mean, it's really easy to think, oh, it's Christmas. I want to do something nice. I want to serve people. But it's a good reminder that they don't only need help at Christmas. Oh, for I mean, sure. there's so yeah. many people that need help all year and, round. And you know, and if you don't have a lot of money. Can you imagine through me or through the family that you're helping or that you run into taking three or four of their kids on a summer afternoon to the zoo Mm -hmm. or to the aquarium 
yeah. or to Thanksgiving Point in the Dinosaur Museum. Yeah. They would love that. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I never actually thought of that. Like, take them to mm-hmm. go do something. They'd never get a chance to. Yeah. I think we're about to close, but I want to tell you one really quick story. Okay. Uh, I had a good friend. He gave me five or six, no, six or seven, lower bowl throw, like third row tickets to a jazz game mm-hmm. and said, we're not going to use them. Would you like to take some refugees? So I called my bishop and said, Bishop, I'm not calling you because you're the bishop. I'm calling you because you drive a Suburban. (laughs) But I said, why don't I find five refugee kids and you and I would take them to the jazz game? He Mm -hmm. says, great idea. So I went up there and made arrangements with five different kids to pick them up. Well, when we got up there, Two of them, three of them were there, and two of them were nowhere to be seen, which is very typical. <laughs> um, and so I said, these tickets are so expensive, I just hate to waste them. So one of the boys said, well, there's a new family over here that's just been here a week. Why don't you go knock on the door? They have some little kids. So I went and knocked on the door. Their English was minimal. They really didn't know where they were going to, where we were going. Yeah. They they had never met me. They had no idea who I was. And they said, sure. Oh. And so they went and got their like their eleven and seven year old sons. Mm. They got in the suburban. They didn't know where we were going. They didn't know anything. Yeah. The game didn't start till eight. It was overtime. We took oh. them out for out ice cream afterwards and so we got a home pass midnight and yeah. I said I'm so, I said I am so so sorry I bet you were just worried sick and their exact words were no we're in America we're safe and we're free oh. and I've had dozens of refugees say we're safe and we're free oh, and wow. and that's what this country should be really yeah, we need a reminder of that sometimes. Yeah. I think with you're talking about the division and social media and the the different politics and people's different opinions, like to remember, like we are an and amazing I, and country. And I'll be honest, from kind of getting political again, but some of these refugees live our love our country more than mm-hmm. some of us that have been raised our entire life yeah. because yeah. They know we that. have our frame of reference and they have their frame of reference. Yes, sure. we don't realize how bad that it was in their countries. And the reason, the whole reason why they're here is because it's so bad in their countries that they yeah. needed to flee. And, so and, and, and if this country was bad, why are so many people yeah, around the world here. trying to get here? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. It's because it's they realize what we have even if maybe we don't realize what we have. Yeah, yeah that's, that's for such sure. a good reminder too. And it's true, yeah. like when we helped that family a couple of years ago, they were just so gracious mm-hmm. and loving and so yeah, trusting. Yeah, same with our family. Yeah, yeah, they just... They were great. I love that, yeah. And and I think the language barrier, because at first I was like, okay, how are we going to communicate? Google but, Translate. Yeah. Google <laughs> Translate. Google Translate. <laughs> but also just like human, like the little kids were joking around with my little kids, even though they weren't speaking the same language. They were showing each other their toys and laughing and like there's kind of a human you know, language of just smiling and laughing like you can kind of communicate yeah. in different well, ways. We just helped a family that had, had four generations in the same home. Mm. Grandma, not a word of English. Next one, a little bit. Next one, a little bit more. The kids 
just like we're talking <laughs> right now. They, they yeah, pick it up. Yeah, if I really need to talk to a family, yeah, I, talk to I the go kids. after school's out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, that's it's true. Probably really because good. they yeah. know the English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they stuff. learn so fast. And, yeah, and, and, and there's issues. Yeah. Um, I know some refugee children that have become more westernized than their parents' culture would like for them mm-hmm. to be, and it's caused. Problems. Yeah, they want to keep their yeah their their culture. And, mm-hmm. Can I tell you one more story? Of and course. Then we'll quit? Yeah, yeah, we're good. We can. I had two boys from Nepal say, "Mr. Ward, we've lived here for seven or eight years, and we've never been out to eat. Mm. Would you take us to American food? Because the Nepalese eat rice three times a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. Yeah. White rice. White rice. Mm. Okay. And so I said there it was Kanchong and Laxman, and they were like junior seniors in high school. I said, sure. So I was talking to one of my sons, and he says, Dad, do you know where you need to take them? And I said, where? And they said, Chakarama. <laughs> they said, that way they yeah, can they go get whatever around they and, want. and they take yeah, whatever, whatever they want to they do. Want. Yeah. So we went to the Chakarama by Fashion Place Mall, <laughs> and we got food, and they tasted different things. And so I went and got myself a, it was probably a Diet Coke float. Yeah. <laughs> And so I came back and Kang Chang said, what's that? I said, oh, it's a float. He said, well, what is it? I said, well, it's ice cream and then you put the drink in it. And he said, can I have one of those? And I said, sure, go make yourself one. (laughs) So he went and he came back and he was eating the ice cream. And he said, I I hope this doesn't offend you, but I don't like this. (laughs) And I said, would you like to know why you don't like it? And he said, yes. And I said, well... You got two balls of honey butter thinking it was ice cream cream and you put it in there and you're eating butter. You're not not eating ice cream. Oh my gosh. She says, please don't ever tell anyone I did that. (laughs) That's awesome. And and so so we went and got the real thing and says, this is good. good (laughs) And it was, you just have those experiences and stuff like that. And it's just like things like that. Like I would never think whether or not they've been out to dinner or not but of course that's such a luxury when you have no money and barely have any food the other thing is these kids like i was talking to two nepali boys the other day they both have jobs they're in their 20s they walk home they hand their check to their moms Mm -hmm. and dads and and i even asked one of them i said does it bother you to work 40 hours a week and give the check to your mom and dad and he says why would it bother me my whole life they've taken care of me. Mm-hmm. Now it's my time to partially take care of mm-hmm. them. That's awesome. Their respect for the elders is amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's really cool. You never disagree with Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's so great. This has been well, an awesome yeah, conversation. Yeah, so cool. I'm so I like glad. the personal stories and I know. the way it all came yeah. together. And, and I'm glad. So I, yeah. I was thinking, I meant to say earlier, anyone listening, we'll link to your foundation in the notes here in the podcast so people can just directly link over and help. And like you said, like... Or D.E. Ward, and I will, I will be honest, between now and Christmas, I'm busy. Yeah. yeah. Will we take donations? Absolutely, yes. Right. But uh, can you respond? No, you're too busy. Yeah. Giving it, donations. <laughs> it's, I, I do not have a lot of time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, that makes sense. If yeah. you have rugs... 
They love every rugs. Afghan in this country are in in this city Want to wants us. another rug. Yeah, because they even the hall rugs. Yeah. they put yeah. down the halls mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But, but remember, like I said, they eat on the rugs. And and to anyone who's listening, who's already helped us, um, there's just not words enough to express the, the thank you that I feel in my heart. And I know my heart doesn't feel, but <laughs> but uh, but but my soul does, yes. yeah, and, and stuff like that. And and thank you for letting me share a few of these ideas with you. Yeah, oh, we're yeah. happy to have you. Yeah. Um, at the end of all our podcasts, because our podcast is called Beautiful Shifts, so we always ask how you find beauty in life after going through all the shifts and transitions that you've been through. You know, two things. One. I sometimes find that I can handle the big things. I can handle cancer. I can handle having to retire. I can handle the big things in life. But the person on the cell phone that doesn't get out of the drive-through at the bank because they're talking on the phone, (laughs) I just want to go crazy with and say, and of course I don't honk my horn or anything like that. I think, I really believe, and this is kind of a repeat of what I've tried to explain the whole time, when you lose your life in the service of others, you're serving your Heavenly Father, but you're also serving these people. And the the shift that it brings into your life is that that you realize that, that you have a worth, there is something, you can be productive, you can share things with others even though you're 82 almost 82 years of age that there there's still a place for you in society and for you to do things for other people mm. yeah yeah that's beautiful yeah i love that that's yeah. never too late to help others and to engage in just life and other people and yeah yeah and there's lots of beauty in that for sure yeah well in your life i just feel like I mean, anyone that knows you, and ever, I think everyone, we're just just amazed with all you've done. I mean, from your teaching to the refugees, like you're just a perfect example of service and and loving other people, and all you know the Ward Foundation. It's just I think grown so much, and it's so just really neat to see. Another evolve. another thing is, I, I was thinking the other day, my my grandson that's a senior in high school as soon as he graduates will be going on an LDS mission and my son that went to Thailand still had 10 months left in his mission when my family was told that I was going to pass away and so I I just think you need to share those special moments with special people and and put aside some of the quote-unquote unimportant things. Uh, Whether my lawn is cut perfectly or whether I get to do something with my grandson who's going to be here for Christmas, uh, that's an easy choice for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. People people over, yeah. Getting the checklists. And (laughs) and you also, when when you... my, my my wife, my mother died when she was 82 and my brother died when he, he was 82 and I'm turning 82. Mm. And so that kind of, I don't dwell on it, but I'd also be naive to not realize, like I said, there's been more than there's going to be mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And uh, 
My mother had Alzheimer's for, she didn't know who any of us were for 10 or 15 years. And uh, I just wished I had not gone off with friends sometimes. I remember my dad would always say, where are you going? I'd say, out. He'd say, what are you going to do? And I'd say, oh, nothing. He said, well, you can do nothing at home. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Spend but, time with us and do nothing at but home. But you want to go be with your friends. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's, life is for the living, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Take, yeah, you never know what's going to happen, so... Yeah, I, I did write a history book of my life. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Oh, I meant to include. Yeah, we'll include the link for that it's, as well. It's 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 about three hundred and sixty pages, and it, it's through Storyworth. Okay. And they send you a question every Monday, and I would think about it. And on oh, Sunday, cool. I would come up and I would answer the question, and then they publish the book for you, and you can put it. Have in your pictures. whole life together. That's you awesome. put it, and I wanted to do that for because. Of, I realized for many other members of our family, we don't have something yeah, like that. Yeah, that'll be so mm-hmm. special to your family to have. And so I got yeah. them for the for the kids and people yeah. like that. So uh, for some reason, I was thinking, we can cut this out if it's not, but is that available for people to, or is that more for a Personal family? for yeah. you, yeah. I had 50 people ask for a copy, and they were okay. 50 bucks each because of the... Yeah, the those kind of things. Are things. Yeah. Um, I love the system because... For me, just to write my family history, Don Ward, born in the Dick's Hospital, <laughs> December 31st, 1941, in San Antonio, Texas, is pretty boring. Yeah. But when you answer the questions... They ask you, yeah. And, and so you have a minimum of 52 questions. I had 79 in my book because they let you add, like, and you can delete questions like, what was your military service like? And I was never in the military. Right. <laughs> and so therefore, I'm not going to answer yes. that. But some of them were really 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 made me think yeah and, and made me laugh things i had not thought about in years mm-hmm. that's so yeah that's really yeah. special for your cool. kids and grandkids and even great great grandkids yeah that yeah they'll hear of your luck they never know you but we'll find you yeah yes yeah. my grandfather died before i was born so i had a grandfather that was really a great uncle but he was i considered him yeah. my grandfather and he died when he was a hundred. Oh wow, wow. Uh, on his hundredth birthday he was on the TV show I've Got a Secret, and it was that it was his hundredth birthday, oh. <laughs> and, and the panel tried to Guess what ask your question because he was and stuff like that. And uh, his oral history was um, is in the Texas State Historical Society. Oh, that's cool. My mother-in-law said the best Christmas present I ever gave her is at a family reunion. I went and took thirty minutes, and on a cassette tape went to every one of her brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and oh, kids and, and taped it and then I gave it to oh. her for Christmas. Oh, yeah. And it was an oral history that cost me practically nothing and she valued it more than anything yeah. I ever did. That's super special. Yeah. I love that's that idea. Cool. That's an awesome super cool. idea. Yeah. Okay, well right. this has been awesome. Thanks Wrap for up. coming yeah. to Thank you my so house much. my home. I to talk so much. No, no it's perfect. It. Yeah. That's the whole point. We just wanted to listen to your yeah, story and how'd you guys get started doing this? Um, I just kind of, I don't know. I just kind of, my husband and I were talking about different transitions in life and how we all go through things, whether they're, you know, like cancer, you don't get to choose that, but you also, but you also chose to start a foundation. So you chose that transition from retirement into this, you know, giving to the refugees. So we just thought it'd be cool to hear all different kinds of stories of people that we can learn from. And also we can help like whether if they did have a foundation. Most of the people that listen, people, you know. 
we hope there's other ones, yeah. but I think, I think most people grow- are. Yeah. I think it's growing. I mean, I think that's the cool thing about having guests on that have other contacts and stuff too, is like, you know, maybe some new people will hear it that are like, oh, I like this, these topics. I like hearing yeah. about life transitions or, and you know, I do feel like the podcast tends to be really uplifting because when you hear someone's story, there's no way you can walk away without being, I guess, just, just amazed by people. Yeah. Like, just being inspired, so, you know, yeah. and I, we go in anywhere from like my daughter's college experience and her transition to that, to someone losing a child to cancer, to helping refugees yeah, or starting a new things. career. I mean, it's all different yeah. topics. So it's yeah. been really cool. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and would love if you subscribe to the podcast and follow it along as we continue hearing more inspiring stories. You can also follow us on Instagram at beautiful shifts podcast, where we will post updates with our latest interviews. We'd like to thank the band We The Lion for giving us permission to use their beautiful song Move Along for our podcast. Take a minute to listen to the song and the lyrics and enjoy. I find a way to know myself All my thoughts are mine again And begin to understand where to go Now it's time to move along Now it's time to move along Take this journey as my own Feel the strength right in my bones All I want is to believe Life is my own Life Start again, mind is free now. I can feel the truth in me. I'll take a chance, I won't be wrong. Yes, now it's time to move along. Now it's time to move along. Take this journey.